Have you heard that bang in the garage in the middle of the night? Could it have been a spring or a garage door has broken? Call the experts at Precision Door Service. Two numbers to contact them. Area code 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. They can always be reached online at precisiongarage-door.com. Those numbers again, in case of emergency, with your garage door, Precision Door Service at 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. You can always get them online at precisiongarage-door.com. Thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Again, we are back here week number three with Sue, um, our, our new best friend in the whole entire world. <laughs> we know everything about your life. Uh, before we get back into wrapping this thing up, we're going to thank our favorite people, right? So Larry and Sandy, Esther, Justin, Danielle, uh, Payrock, and D'Lo Studio Designs. Thanks, guys, for all your help and everything that you guys have done. You're married? You met Ryan in Chicago. Yes. Kind of a strange God story just in and of itself. I mean, the whole thing is, of course, but just how you guys had met and how you guys got together. Uh, beautiful wedding back in your hometown church of Sparta, Michigan. Yes. And uh, he is a worship leader of a church plant. And you guys live happily ever after. Right there. <laughs> right. That end. What? How long did you stay in that church? We were, well, three years. Or so Ryan was there a total of five years. Uh-huh. Two years before you got married. Yes. It was a good place? It was awesome. It was so great. It was one of those churches that started with nobody, had 500 people the first weekend, and, um, you know, had some growing pains, but we... Um, we had a lot of other couples who were our age, who had just graduated from college, who were... So it was a young, it was vibrant, young. exciting... Yes. It was fun. Really fun. Lots of great memories and small groups and just a time of really growing in our relationship with the Lord and with each other. With each other and, and, and the community. But you, you weren't um, in Sparta... No, we were in Granville. At Granville. Yes. Um, and w- what was the name of the church? River Tree. River Tree. Yes. And uh, you guys moved. We did. You left. Yes. The best time of your life. Yeah. W- what happened? Um, well, Ryan got a call from Faith Church uh-huh. that was in South Holland. Yeah. Little little tiny church in South Holland. Yes, that yeah. was growing and yeah, expanding, and they said, hey, we are, I mean, we had a relationship already because yeah. Ryan's sister and yeah, brother-in-law had some relationships were there. Yeah. So, um, and they said, we want you, you know, they told Ryan, we want you to come and be a worship leader, you know, worship director. Um, 
And so he went through the interview process and really felt like this is where God was calling him. I did not feel that. I was pregnant. So you with were. With our first one, I was working for Holland Community Hospital. What were you doing for the hospital? Um, I was a corporate wellness coordinator. Oh. So. I don't know what that means. Do you, do you know what that means? <laughs> I worked with corporations in setting up wellness plans um, or wellness events, really, oh, for um, their employees. And it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I liked it. Um, and you're you're pregnant with your first, yes. so everything's new. Yes. And he he gets this job offer or this call or the whatever, right? Kind of right back to where you were in college, right? And and you th- were thinking this is not the right thing, the right time, right season of life, right thing. Everything's going great here. I mean, we're married. Right. I'm pregnant. Great job, great church, great world, great everything. Yes. And you want to do what? Yes. And so he wins the argument. Um, he actually told Faith no the first time and turned it down. And then they called him back and said, would you reconsider? And I think Ryan's better at listening or at taking an adventure. But you're so <laughs> no, adventurous. I thought you're I was the so one adventurous. To to Papua New but then I was the one that just wanted to stay in West Michigan. Um, but he said he Ryan really felt like this was where God was calling him, and so I went along. And so eventually, you agreed, or you, I did. Or, you, be, I agreed. Be, be, I cried a lot. Yeah, begrudgingly, you agreed, or you you went as a as a good troopers, so, uh, uh, a supporting wife. Yeah, supportive wife. And you yes. cried, and I cried a lot. Why was that transition so hard? Um, it was a lot of just new things. You know, when you're, well, you don't know. But when you're pregnant, your body's already, and being the emotional sensitive person I right, am, right, right. but your body's just flooded with all the extra hormones of creating this child. And then just being in a new church, in a new town, in a new place where nothing, you know, everything is new. And then becoming a new parent, we moved into our house two weeks before our daughter was born. Uh, in Illinois. In Indiana. In, in this this area. Anyway. Yes. Um You left behind stability, happiness, hope into something unchartered. Not only for yourself, but for your marriage, certainly for your husband, but also for our community. We weren't sure it was going to work out either, right? As a right. church. Right. Now we know, now I, I, I remember that those days because I was a. Uh, kind of a large part of the worship planning team, and had we had already established a, a drama and a theater ministry. But at this time, uh, I, I was in rehab. So when the when you and your your husband moved into the area and took over his office, uh, it was right next to my old office, of which I wasn't at because I was currently in rehab. So this puts us back into February. And the only reason I know this is because I was in rehab, so I know that date. That puts me into March 2003. Yeah. So you agreed to move March-ish 2003. You're pregnant, Mm -hmm. leaving behind the joy of your life. How long does it take you to feel settled? It honestly took me quite a while, probably a year. A year. Yes. Longer. Maybe. A little bit longer. Yeah. Because you have a baby and your mom's not here. 
your world's not here. Your new community's not here. Now you're right. part of this new community. Right. So you're kind of alone. Mm-hmm. Are you mad at Ryan? Hmm. I don't remember being mad at him. Maybe deep down I was like, why'd we do this? Um, I I think I was a little more frustrated with myself. Like at one time I went to be this girl who embraced adventure and then I had an opportunity only <laughs> a few hours from home. And um, it was just, yeah, it was a challenging time. Uh, you have you have a child, a girl, mm-hmm. um, who was colicky. So she was she up late at a lot. night. She so cried we just a cried lot. Together, yeah, I we think. just cried. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had a lot of chocolate and and ate together with with your daughter. Yeah. You uh, also instantly get th- thrust into a very public life because though though we're not celebrities. Um, we are pretty well-known people of a really large community. So probably at the time, you don't even really realize how well-known you and your husband are or will become. And, and so you live kind of in this public bubble all of a sudden, right? Yes, although I didn't. I don't think I realized it. You I didn't think get I it. thought it was more just You didn't get it at the time. My husband, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just him. <laughs> oh no. It's it wasn't just him. What has it been like to live so publicly? You know, you aren't the first person that's asked me that. Um I think in some ways God's kind of shielded me from the fact that we are a public family. Because it doesn't feel like it, it feel or like it doesn't it. come back no, to haunt you like, I don't think like it, it would? I don't think it feels that way. At least, I don't know. At least to you. To me, yes. Um, do your kids feel it? I don't think so. Um, does your husband feel it? I think so, probably. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, he lives it. Right. The Monday through Friday and the weekends, of course, he lives. Right. And he's kind of a hard guy to miss, you know. So we go a lot of places where we hear often, hey, aren't you the guy that sings it? Yeah, he, he doesn't blend in well. No, he doesn't blend yeah. in well. <laughs> right, because right, he's, I mean, to be fair, for people that don't know, he's he's taller than most people. Yes. So he doesn't blend in. I right. mean, if he's sitting and everybody else is standing, then it's like, okay. Right. There's a right. room full of normal people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then you have, a, and then you have another kid. Yes. Um, yep. Two years later. And so, so two years. Son. And yep. so now life is perfect. You're kind of settled in. You're okay. You're able to drive back to Michigan and see your see yes. your family, yep. uh, your community. You're yep. fine. You're yep. perfect. Right. Settled in. Perfect, Found a place. Found perfect. A place. Yeah. Perfect yep. little family. A great little marriage. Great little kids. Yeah. Tell me about Haiti. So, um, I think God had really put on my heart as well as Ryan's heart at a very young age that. Um, just adoption. And we I don't remember talking about it when we were dating, but um, quite early on, even before we had our biological children, we talked about how we believe God wanted us to grow our family through adoption. And so after we had our, our second child, our son, um, we started talking really seriously about adoption and what that looked like and both really felt led to international adoption. Um, I think from traveling we had done and from poverty we had seen and 
Yeah, because to be to, to be fair, I mean, we we talked uh, a little bit uh, about Papua New Guinea, but but you had been to other uh, trips since then, mm-hmm. uh, weekends here, weeks there, a month, uh, Honduras, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what are some of the other places you've been to? Oh well, since like Haiti and Brazil, and, um, yeah. So, so you you've been to all these places for for mission trips, and and both you, you and Ryan felt that adoption was part of your your story. And you just felt that international adoption would be part of your story. And so you went back to Haiti? So I had never been to Haiti. And uh-huh. I quite honestly didn't know much about Haiti or really that it's only two hours from the U.S. and the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, very strange, isn't it? It is. Um, but I do remember once you, once we decided on an adoption agency that we were going to go with, then you have this list of countries and they have rules and, and both of us saying um, – I think we need to pray about Haiti and if that's where our child is from. So for the next two weeks, we committed, like, we're going to pray and see if Haiti is the country. And it was crazy how often Haiti showed up and whether it had been there and we hadn't heard it or God really did confirm in those two weeks. Ryan had flown to Florida and met a guy from Haiti. Um, I was reading a book and discovered that the author had adopted from Haiti. I heard about Haiti on the radio. It was just confirmation over and over for us that we needed to pursue adoption in Haiti. And and so how, then how did you get hooked up in Haiti? I mean, so you you both felt clearly God called you to Haiti something. Yes. And did you find an adoption agency? So, well, once we had found an adoption agency, they were working in Haiti and, um, and only with one orphanage there. Oh. So that was, you know— their connection. And so then we everything went them. fine, right? I mean, you went to Haiti, you, you picked out a, a so, little baby from the little baby room yeah. and you came back and lived happily ever after. Well, that no, we got a phone call. Um, on June 24, I believe, um, our social worker saying you have been matched with a boy. And she came over that very night. We got to see video of this precious boy. And then, oh, In November of 2009, we traveled to Haiti. Um, we were required to go twice. Um, uh, so we went to see him. Just so you know, lots of people have cried in this room <laughs> because this is your story, right? And so from now on, Justin, we need to have Kleenex on this table. Just so you know, I'm so sorry no, that okay. we aren't prepared for this because we are so, prepared for this. Go ahead. Um, yeah, in 2009, November of 2009, we went to um, meet our son for the first time. And um, spent just a very short few days with him and then had to leave. Um, They were telling us at the time that it was going to take two or three years um, until we would be able to bring him home. And that was, um, that wasn't okay. Was that common? Um, Yes, that was very common. Prior to that trip, I remember very specifically like having one of those moments with the Lord in which I was like praying for our son and praying for his nannies. And um, I don't necessarily think I feel the hear the audible voice of God, but I really did sense him telling me, you aren't praying for enough. And um, Ephesians 3 verse 20 came into my head. Just um, it's at him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so I just started praying, like, God, immeasurably more, immeasurably more. Bring him home by Christmas. All right, so hang on, hang on, hang on. You're, 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 
it's you're talking like you're already his mother. Yeah, I was. When did that switch flipped in your flip in your heart? I think the moment I saw him. Maybe before. Probably. Right. Yeah. So God put inside of your heart a, a nurturing motherly love for this child you've never met mm-hmm. in a country you've never been to. Right. It, working with an orphanage and a people you don't even understand right. at this yeah. time. Yes. And so what is that like? Yeah, that was um, – I remember we would get monthly updates, which is always so exciting, and I'd print off little pictures of him to hand out to people, and um, we couldn't put it on social media. But it was hard because he was already my son, but he wasn't with us. And did something happen? Yes. I mean, uh, being a friend and being a member, I remember these things. Um, you and I had, we're, we're, we, we, your husband and I had done a lot of work together in terms of creative arts working at church. You and I had done some work together. Uh, we had we had done a Christmas carol together. You, Two years, you, right, yeah. You, you were, uh, uh, El, was it Ella, uh, uh, Ebenezer's girlfriend, right, that he breaks up with? Yeah. Or that yep. she breaks up with because yes, he, he loves money more than more than her. Right. So we had done some work together, and this was kind of all that time, right, it was short, shortly yes. thereafter. Yeah. Was something incredible happened. Was it an earthquake? It was. In January, January 10, 2010. Um, I remember Ryan walking in the door and his face was like white and he said there was a horrible earthquake in Haiti and I remember just falling to the ground crying like that's where our son is and we didn't know. Um, Thankfully, um, the orphanage director was able to post on that evening, um, you know, 7.0 earthquake, all are safe. So they were able to get all of these children all 120 children um, out of the orphanage and out into their little driveway. Um, they end up spending the night out there with aftershocks. And but as a mom, just like, oh, I need my son. <laughs> so were you were you able to speed up the process then as a result of this? Yes, yes. So I had been praying like, God, bring him home by Christmas, which you know people were. You're crazy. There's way too much paperwork to get through. Um, So the process was sped up in which all the children at the orphanage who had families waiting for them all over the world. um, The U.S. was actually the last one. There were 80 children who had families waiting for them in the U.S. And the director was able to get humanitarian parole for each one of them. So that just means that it expedited the process. Yes. If you have paperwork um, going... Just come and take your child and go. So we had a we got a phone call that said we have a, a plane that will evacuate your children. You need to get to Miami. It's flying and we had twenty four hours to get to Miami. So they just literally picked up all these kids yes. and said, You're going here, you're going here, you're going here. Your paperwork is Miami. Whatever. No, well, all the children going to the US flew into Miami. Wow. So they all had they had a plane um that yes, was flying in with I think, you know. If I, re- if I remember then. correctly, this was a big deal. It was big. Yeah. Like, wasn't this on the news? And was it national oh, yeah. news? It was all over the news. We were, you know, in local newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was national news. That was. And, and so you guys again became public. We did. 
and you tried to live like normal people, right? Just yes. take your son home, and now and now you're you're happily married, and your husband has a great job, and you've got three great kids. Yes. And you live happily ever after now? No. <laughs> or still not yet? Not yet. We're still going for that, right? What's What's life like with two biological kids and one adopted kid living such an extraordinary public story in a really large community and being public figures? Well, again... I guess I would like to think of us as not being too public. But I did have some doubts, like, how is this community going to accept us as a multiracial family? I mean, again, we don't look like most families do. Um, But the outpouring of love and um, just the stories of impact were pretty amazing. Has that been an issue? I mean, do do, look, I'm, I'm a white dude. I come from a white dude community. I never really realized race was a big deal. Until the last couple of years, a bunch of people were like, no, you're racist and you're privileged and you're whatever. I'm like, I'm not. Wait a minute. Right. Maybe I am. Yeah. Did you even know much about race and racism until you adopted a child from a different race? Well, I think I did. And I think it's still hard to know. I mean, I'm a middle class white American woman. Right. Um, but definitely have become much more sensitive mm-hmm. to just do you see it now do you feel it now is it is it in the back of your mind certainly now certainly in some instances uh-huh. i do yes um but your community i'm assuming has been pretty great they've been amazing and yes. and everybody loves all three of your kids they do. equally yes um do you feel that it's hard to be normal Define normal. <laughs> right. Well, that's part of it, right? We you just know? want to be I mean, normal people, right? Just, I mean, yeah. do, you, do you work hard to just be a, a family of three people, uh, three kids? Yes, very much so. Um, your kids are growing up? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of them are. Teenagers. Or, They're yeah. all teenagers now. A couple of them are taller than you. Yes, all of them are. All three, all of, three, them three of them are taller than you. Yeah. Um, a couple of them are, are almost as tall as Ryan. One of them, for sure. Which is freakishly tall, by the yeah. way. I mean, if you, yeah. if you don't know, he's twice as tall as I am. Yeah. You feel like I feel like I have two bodyguards and they're <laughs> right. like walking a, beside me. Which is which it's is awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um. You're happy. Yes. Yeah. Family's good. Yeah. Kids are good. Mm-hmm. Some struggles. Yes. Normal American childhood issues i'm right. assuming right yes. i mean nothing crazy right but also nothing special either it's just normal family kid issues yes how's your health uh-huh. um i've been through a season that's been hard yeah, because and the reason I asked that, and it's just because your health has been a question, right? Mm-hmm. It's been. Have, have, has there been any actual diagnosis of of some of your symptoms? Well, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in um, the 
spring of 2019. And that was after years of feeling like crap, run down, flare-ups, whatever, right? I mean, if eventually they got to the bottom of just giving you something, right? Well, in 2010, I had shingles. Um, I've always dealt with thyroid issues and um, have just, re- well, within the last couple of years, realized, like, I've just had a compromised immune system for a lot of my my life. And so, yeah, Lyme disease was a bit of a journey in which I think I felt like the medical field thought I was crazy because I was going, I had all these crazy things happen and they weren't able, they weren't, every test was coming back that it was negative. It wasn't that. And, um, and then eventually through a blood test, they discovered that I had Lyme disease. Do you think you have Lyme disease? Um, I mean, are you okay with that? I mean, that, that diagnosis after years of Trying this, yeah. trying this, trying this. Think, okay, it's Lyme disease. You're like, eh, okay, yeah. I'll buy that one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't feel like um, it was years and years, but certainly has been, yeah, uh, a season. Um, knowing is half the battle, right? Right. I mean, just being able I to think, work. I mean, I think once they said it's Lyme disease, I was some relief. Like, right. okay, good. At least there's... At least I'm not crazy. Yes. Yes. Uh, any... Um, uh, medicine? Are you on? I'm not on anything. Right. Uh, right. I mean, I I have been, mm-hmm. but I'm yes. Currently, you're not on Currently. any medication. Right. Um, any relief to your symptoms, or is it just a flare up will come, and has it triggered an autoimmune disease? Um. Well, living with Lyme for me, and I think for you know. Everyone has their own symptoms. It's such a crazy, strange disease. So it's been um, inflammation. It's been joint pain. It, and it comes and goes with seasons and with the weather. And some days feeling like I'm 80, although maybe that's not what 80 feels like, but when my hips don't work. And right. so, yeah. Well, I have an autoimmune disease. And uh, I don't know what triggers these things. I don't know where it comes from. Mine causes blood clots. Uh, that is the... The, the life-changing symptom of that. But um, it does cause, um, when there's a flare-up, does cause uh, brain fog. It does cause body aches, joint aches, kind of general flu-like symptoms. And the only thing that, that helps it for me is going to bed. And I don't care if it's 6 o'clock at night. If I'm having a flare-up, I'm, i got to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Similar to you? Yeah, very similar. Um Although I often don't listen to my body the way you do and yeah. go to bed. So so you just you uh, muscle through it and then you screwed up the next day too. Yes. If you don't go yeah. to bed. Yeah. And so that that is what you have done? Yes. Uh, how do you take care of yourself now? Physically, right? Yeah. Um, man, it's been the last – I mean, and I think everyone's gone through it the last couple of years. But since being diagnosed with that, we started a business in which I'm working six – at least six days a week, which is new for me. And there's just a lot going on. And so I don't know that I've done a great job in taking care of my health. And in some ways, because I feel like, yes, I have this disease, but for me, it's functional. You're able to get through it. I can get through it. I muscle through the pain. What kind of job do you have now? You mentioned business. What kind of business do you have? Yeah. So um, uh, I'm the owner of a real estate photography business. Oh, what? <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, yeah, parts of it are fun. You enjoy, you really enjoy some of it. 
So I really um, enjoy that we have a social impact piece. Uh-huh. You know, I think it goes back to just my heart for justice yep. and mission. What's the name of the company? Next Door Photos. And uh, the business is you take real estate photos to help people sell their homes. Yes. Yep. And it's as simple as that. It's really not complicated. Right. Right. Uh, uh, the the process is a little complicated though, right? I mean, the the picture the, the the picture goes off to So we have an amazing editing team that we work with um, in Kenya and they are individuals who've been rescued from human trafficking right and um, just those who are at risk of exploitation. And they send back these amazing pictures. They do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the pictures that you take end up in successfully selling a home. Yes, yes, very much so. And that's the part that you play. Yes. And your team. Right. Yep. Um so life today is different. Yes. Than you thought. Yes. But it's good. Yes. It's certainly not where you thought you'd end up. Right. But you're glad you did. Right. Um, and I can tell you on, on behalf of the 316 family, of course, this community, you and Ryan have been such a huge blessing to us. Thank you for ob- obediently moving, <laughs> right, from your little town to this little town and living out loud. And though you don't feel like it, being such an important part of the public life here, it has been immeasurably life-changing for so many people. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. We've been incredibly blessed by this community. Um, I know over the years I've many times have said to Ryan, when do you go back home? You've been here 18 years now. Remember, I, I remember March 2003. <laughs> 18 and a half years I've been sober, so that means you've been here about 18 and a half years. Um, when do you go back home? Well, this has become home. This is home, right? Right, for this, now, right? This is home. Yeah. And so I don't want to let you leave without asking the questions that James Lipton would ask uh, his guests before they left inside the actor's studio. I don't know if you know these questions, and I hope you haven't brushed up on them and studied them. And so I'm just going to ask you to keep it clean. Okay. (laughs) Because I know some of you dirty-minded people out there. Uh, I'll keep it clean. Sue, what is your favorite word? Oh, man. Very good. So what is your least favorite word? Evil. Uh, Again, keeping it clean, what turns you on or excites you? Spending time with Ryan. Just the two of you, nice. Uh, <laughs> what turns you off? Mean people. What sound or noise do you love? Piano. What sound or noise do you hate? Brain fog for that one. Um, nails on a chalkboard. 
What profession other than the one that you currently have would you like to try? I would like to be a professional speaker. Oh, public speaking. Yep. What profession other than the one you have do you think you would least like to try? Uh, probably cleaning, cleaning toilets for a living. Uh, janitorial. Yes. If God exists, and we know that he does, what do you hope he says to you when you finally get to meet him? I hope I hear well done. Well done. Right? Well done. Sue, thanks so much. What an honor. What a privilege it is. I'm so proud that you uh, have agreed to come into the studio to just have a conversation with me. So thanks for that. Thanks for sharing your God story. Guys, thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks, Sue.